right, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's open the Word of God to John chapter 21. The book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And we'll begin reading in verse 15, and we'll read down through verse 22. John 21, verse 15. If you have your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll have prayer, and we're going to begin in verse 15. Father, how we thank you again, Lord, for the privilege to be here tonight, to hold in our hands the Word of God, and to be challenged and changed, Lord, as we read, knowing your will and being able to carry out these things. We just ask, dear Holy Spirit, that you'll once again speak to our hearts tonight, that you'll be our teacher and guide through the scriptures, that you'll bless the reading of your word and you'll apply it to us, Lord, as only you can. Show us what you'd have us do in the scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, verse 15, the Bible says in John 21, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest where thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. And another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord... And what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What a question. So in verse 21, Peter says, Lord, and what shall this man do? Looking at John. And I want to preach on that thought tonight in a message I've entitled, Comparing Yourself to others, comparing yourself to others. Thank you, you may be seated. We do it, don't we? We look around and we see what other people are doing or not doing, what they have, what they don't have. You know, having awareness of what's going on around us is one thing. But to covet what other people are doing or having is another. And we have to be careful. Paul said when we compare ourselves among ourselves... We are not wise. You know, the truth is tonight, we all have a journey. We all have a a path to walk with the Lord. And each one of us 
are going to have different experiences. It's not going to be the same. And so it's really not a fair question as Peter looks at John. What shall this man do? They had different paths to walk. And yet we find Peter comparing himself to John, the beloved disciple, almost in an effort to escape the commitment and the call of the Lord Jesus. Peter casts all his attention on John, saying, What shall this man do? It seems as if Peter is at least saying here, If I'm going to follow you, who else is going to follow you? What are these disciples going to do? Jesus was emphatic in his answer. He said, Peter, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And tonight as we take this text and consider Peter's question and Jesus' response, we have to understand that God doesn't want us in this way comparing ourselves to one another. And so let's take these thoughts from Scripture. First of all tonight, don't compare yourself to others in the place of your possessions. Don't compare yourself to others in your possession. I know we, we do it. We do it. We look around and we see who's got the house and the truck that we like and who's got this, who's got what we think is the best salary or the best pension or whatever the case might be, the best retirement package or whatever. And, and you know, God warns us against making those kind of comparisons. All they do in our lives is produce covetousness. And yet the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said to the disciples, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. You know, this is a verse that we ought to memorize. It's one that we need to remind ourselves of more and more. I know especially as Americans, if we're not careful, we become very materialistic in our thinking. And materialism equals covetousness. We begin to covet and want not new things, but all things, if we're not careful. We have to put a restraint on that. And we need to even further go back to Luke 12, 15 and realize what Jesus is teaching us. Our life is not about the stuff we own. So often... In our minds, it is. In our thinking, our mind is entirely built around the stuff, the possessions, the things that have come into our ownership and care. But the real question is not what do you have or how much do you have. The real question is, what are you doing with it? How are you using it for the kingdom of God? How are you using it to make a difference in the lives of others? You know, I think of people like Bill Gates and the wealthy of America that, that, that are promoted around the world. People that, you know, they think, oh, they're so fantastic. They're so famous. They're so whatever. You know, we, we look at their life, but I'm thinking, look, you can amass all kind of riches and wealth. But what is that really in light of eternity? When this life is over... You know, I compared it previously to a pile of dirt. On Wednesday night, I was talking about, hey, man, what if I said I got, a bi- I got the biggest pile of dirt in my backyard that you've ever seen? You would say, so? 
And that's what the angels are going to say. That's what the saints are going to say. That's what God's going to say when we get to heaven and we've amassed this great big bank account. Okay, you got all this money in the bank. So? It's not going to matter unless we did something important with it. What did we do with the money? What investments did we make? Did we use it to reach souls? Did we use it to help people? If it just sits in a bank account, does it do any good? No. Having, having amassed wealth, if we think that elevates our life, then we have fallen prey to the humanistic worldly thinking around us. We have given in to the philosophy of who, he who dies with the most toys wins. Wins what? We certainly don't win anything in heaven just by having more stuff. Jesus was trying to teach the disciples that your life is not about that. And hey, you know, that ought to encourage us. Because sometimes we feel unsuccessful when we don't have all the things that the world says is important. When we feel we, don't, we haven't arrived financially at, at what the world says, you know, success is. And sometimes we look around at those standards and we think, man, you know, I'll never make it to that. Maybe not. But you don't have to be there to be a success in God's sight. To, all you have to do is use what you have the way he said to use it. Use what God's given you to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in the lives of others. And you can take those little possessions and use them right as a good steward of the kingdom of God, make a difference in people's lives, and lay up great treasure in heaven. And in that way, you can be like the little lad who brought his little five loaves and two fish to the lunch. And what did Jesus do with that? When he gave that lunch to Jesus, Jesus used it to feed 5,000 people. Oh, wow. And I'm saying here tonight, you know, there are going to be some of the poorest people on this side who are going to be some of the wealthiest on the other. People that used what God gave them to make a difference in the lives of others. Hey, we're going to find out those are going to be the wealthy people in heaven. When we compare ourselves in the place of possessions, we are truly doing what Paul said. We're, we're not wise. God warned us early in his word. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's uh, uh, wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. But if we're not careful... We look around saying, oh, man, I wish I had that truck. Oh, I wish I lived in that neighborhood. Right? We, we do it. Hey, I wish I had one of those gadgets. I wish I could afford that. Have you ever thought that the people that make more spend more? Proportionately, your budget might look the same. They might be under the same financial pressure you're under. The numbers are just bigger. And if that's true, guess what? Doesn't make much difference, does it? Next, don't compare your, your, yourself to others in the place of service. Now, this is really what Peter was doing in our text. 
not really with possessions so much because I think at this point in the disciples' lives, none of them really had much. They had given up all that to follow the Lord. And uh, certainly nothing wrong with that. But by the way, nothing wrong with having things either. It's just a question of what are you doing with it? You know, there were great men in the Bible like Abraham and Job and, and even Lot who had amassed wealth. And God never spoke against that. Job was the wealthiest man in the East, the Bible says. God never condemned him for having things and possessions and wealth. It's good. But I'm afraid most of us are not, are not um, we're not ready for that. We don't know how to steward that. And maybe that's why God hasn't allowed us to obtain it. Here, Peter is comparing himself to John, not in the place of possessions, but in the place of service. Lord, if you're calling me to do this, he said, what is this man going to do? He's looking around at the disciples. What are they going to do? What about them? What about everybody else? And you know, tonight, if we're not careful, all we do is get sidetracked with questions like that. Tonight, I'm trying to encourage you not to compare yourself with those who are serving the Lord. You know, sometimes we can look over the fence, we can look over our shoulder, and we can envy those that are doing a little bit better in God's work, a little little bit more in God's service than maybe what we are able to do, what we have time to do, or, or maybe what our heart's desire would be. And we see people that are just going all out for the Lord, and sometimes it can be kind of discouraging. We could say, you know, Lord, I'd like to be like that. I want to do more for you. Lord, I, I wish I could be full-time. Lord, Lord, I wish I could pray like that. I wish I could witness like that. And we can make those comparisons with people who are serving, maybe doing a little more or a little better than what we're doing. Hey, tonight, that's not really going to get you anywhere. Now, there's nothing wrong, like I said in the beginning, with being aware of what's going on around us. There's nothing wrong with learning an effective method from another servant of the Lord. Maybe how they witness or, or, or how they do their devotions. And if that can help you do better in that area, then hey, there's nothing wrong with learning a lesson from them, picking up a tip here and, and, a, and a tip there. What do we call those? Pro tips, right? We need to make a list of some pro tips following Jesus. But don't be discouraged by those who may be outpacing you, serving the Lord and following Him well. Just let those be good examples and and keep following the Lord yourself. Keep striving to be your best. Your best is what matters to Him. Tonight also, don't compare yourself with those who are not serving. You know, in one way, we can fall into the trap comparing us with those who are ahead of us, maybe those that are doing more than we're doing. But we can do the same kind of damage when we turn around and look the other way. And we look at people who are not doing what what we're doing. Lord, I'm following you, but how come so-and-so ain't? How come I'm in church Sunday night, but so-and-so's not here? You know, we we, we really can't do that. All that's going to do is mess you up. It's going to get your focus in the wrong place. You're going to get your sights off the target And you're going to become ineffective. So tonight, take your eyes off of them. We're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on those following Him. Not on those who are not following Him. Don't let their their lack 
their laziness. Don't let that bother you. Don't let that trip you up because they're not serving the Lord. You just keep on keeping on. Be faithful with what you're doing. Let God help you where you are and don't worry about them. Peter looked at John and said, what about him? And the Lord said, what is that to thee? Why does that matter to you? He just said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you, will you follow me? Peter says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Okay, then why are you worried about John? Just follow me. Just serve me. We need to be like Jesus, who served God regardless of what others were doing or not doing. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And you know, that's really what all of us ought to be trying to do. We ought to be doing what God sent us to do, what he called us to do, what he gifted us to do. We should be striving to finish the task that God gave to us. That's good stewardship. And according to the Bible, if we understand uh, our place in Scripture, we are. We're stewards. We are managers of what belongs to somebody else. What does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 6, 19? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Right? We belong to the Lord. He says you're bought with a price. Hey, we belong to God. When you got saved, Jesus bought you, and he bought everything that, that you have. He owns you and everything you own. It all belongs to him. And so after you get saved, your job is to live like a manager who's managing the affairs of another. It all belongs to Jesus now. So you live and you glorify him with, with your life and with everything you have. That's stewardship. That is stewardship in the Bible. A lot of times we limit stewardship to just how we manage our money. Particularly, you know, our gifts to the Lord, our tithes, offerings, missions, whatever. We just kind of limit it to that. Look, that, that's, that's barely the tip of the iceberg. Stewardship is how you manage your life and all the resources that God has entrusted you with. The Bible says that it's God that gives us the strength to get wealth he enables us to have everything we have. He gave all of that to us. He allowed us to acquire it. And so as believers, now our job is to use it for him. We are to serve God with everything he's given us. That is stewardship. And it's not just limited to the offerings we give. Don't compare yourself to others in the place of service. You just do what God has called you to do. And he'll be pleased with that. And then lastly tonight, don't, don't compare yourself to others in the place of commitment. I know, I preached on commitment this morning. And you know, sometimes we're tempted, aren't we, to look over our shoulder and we say, boy, I'm, I want to be as committed as so-and-so. Or, or we look the other way and say, you know, they're not as committed as I am. Those really are all, we got to be careful about that. Don't make faulty judgments. It's not our place to determine the level of commitment somebody else is on. We need to be trying to establish and understand the level of commitment that we're on. That's a full-time job. Just keep your life right with the Lord. Make sure you're in the right place 
at the right pace. If you do that, you'll, you'll listen, you, you'll exhaust plenty of energy and effort and resources into just fulfilling that in your own life. You won't have much time to worry about where somebody else is and if they're on track with what they ought to be doing. Don't compare yourself to others in the place of commitment. Now, I want to show you a principle in the Bible. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we have it here at the front. Notice it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Okay, I said a lot of words. But notice the first part of that. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Now, now, now stop there. The rest of the verse is great, but don't miss the principle. What causes us to be ready? What causes us to have the answer? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What is this principle? It's the principle of putting God first. The word sanctify means to set apart. All right? Now, every lady understands this. They take, they take those dishes that we call fine china. All right? And those, they get a special place in the cabinet for those. Or maybe you have some kind of hutch or display cabinet where those are like put on show. Hey, people can see those, right? Through the glass doors, we're going to show those off. Those might have been grandma's back from two or three generations even. Wow, they are precious. What do we do? So we set them apart from the everyday dishes. You just want a little glass of milk. You don't drink that out of China, right? You go get a cup out of the cabinet. But when we're having Sunday best, we're having Sunday dinner, we have company over, well, then we get out the china, right? Hey, what, so what have we done? We've sanctified that. We've set it apart for special use. That's what the Bible says that we should do in our heart. We should set Jesus apart, make him special, put him first. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That is what makes you committed as a Christian. And that's what we were talking about this morning. That's what motivates you to surrender your life and say, Lord, I love you. I want to serve you. That's what makes you go to the next level and make a decision. I'm going to do this, right? Whatever that is. Read your Bible, go to church. That's what makes you go to that next level we talked about, being addicted to the ministry, prioritizing the things of God. This is more important to me than that. Why? Because you've sanctified the Lord in your heart. You've given him a special place, a place of preeminence, a place of priority. When you sanctify God in your heart, you commit your life to him. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to sanctify him in our hearts, to set him apart, give him a special place. He wants us to love him, right? Commit your heart to the Lord by giving Him priority in your heart. That's what, that, that's what Peter's saying. We're also to commit our love to the Lord by serving Him from a genuine heart. Serve Him from a genuine heart. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't that interesting that Jesus said that? Hey, fellas, if you love me, He said, keep my commandments. Live out my word. It was that important. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. There were things that, that Paul 
If he put it in other words, he probably would say, things that I, that I might not otherwise do, but I do it because the love of God constrains me to do it. Things like leaving his hometown and traveling around preaching the gospel through the known world at that time. Why do you think these missionaries give their life and some of them leave America? Some of them serve right here, but, but some of them leave. Some of them go to faraway places. You know, we've heard a few lately tell us they're going to places where there's nobody else preaching the gospel. There's no churches over there. And, you know, in our human mind, we look at that and we'd say, why, brother, why would you do that? Why would you go to a far off place where you don't know anybody, where there's no nice people there? (laughs) No Christian people, nobody to help you, support you, pray with you. Why would you do that? Well, the answer is right there. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of Christ constraineth us because their love for God moves and motivates them to carry the gospel of Jesus to those people. They're doing what God wants them to do. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. I love that passage. Because it tells us that when we love God like we should, and we've sanctified Him in our hearts, we will have the motivation, the desire to keep His word And it won't feel burdensome to us while we're doing it. You know, there's a lot of Christians that talk about God's word and the commandments, the Christian life, like it's a pain in their side. Got to do this, got to do that. And I just, I can't help but think, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry things have gotten so out of sorts that living the Christian life has become a burden. Because that's never how Jesus intended it to be. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because when we enter into the yoke with him, he pulls with us. He carries the weight. When we love him like we should, it changes our whole perspective about the world and the church and service and all of it. When we love God like we should, guess what? We, we don't love worldliness. We don't love the wickedness that's in the world. We don't love the ungodliness that surrounds us. We're, we're not drawn away from Christ to that when we love Him like we should. And when we love Him like we should, we have a desire to follow Him And to live out his teachings. And we don't think of those as hardships and burdens. It doesn't feel like punishment. It's a joy to follow Jesus. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. What a great truth. Verses like that just help us keep our perspective in check so that we know what the problem is when we find ourselves in the wrong places with the attitude that we have to go to church, we have to read our Bible, we have to live a godly life. 
all the stuff we have to do as Christians. It's just a reminder when we get there to check up because something's wrong in here. We're not loving Jesus like we should when we start talking like that. Because it's a joy to live for Jesus. When you sanctify Him in your heart, when you love Him most, when you give Him the place of priority, then it's a joy to do what He's asked you to do and to live out His Word in your daily life. Hey, don't compare yourself to others in the place of possessions or the place of service or even in the place of commitment in the Christian life. Don't worry about what level other people are on. You know, because everybody has to make the journey themselves. And if you're farther along than others, then say hallelujah and keep on going. Pray for them back there that they'll catch up with you. Sometimes people have a harder time with, with some of the steps along the path than you did. And if it was easier for you or if it came more naturally to you, thank God for that. And just stay where he put you. And if you do that, you'll be a lot happier following the Lord than if you compare yourself with where other people are at. Tonight as we close, are you committed to the Lord? Are you following Him? And would you follow Him if no one else did? Hey, tonight, don't compare yourself to others. Just follow Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you for this admonition from the life of Peter and John. How you use this example, Lord, to encourage us to just keep our eyes on you and not compare ourselves to others. Thank you, Lord, for the way you work in us and through us. Thank you for how you allow us to encourage one another, support one another, and help one another. Lord, may we just do all of that with the joy of Jesus. Keep our hearts in the right place. Lord, that we might live for you, that we might serve you with joy. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.